Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. Every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome to How to Citizen with Baratunde, a show where we reimagine the word citizen as a verb, reclaim it from those who've weaponized it, and remind ourselves how to wield our collective power. This is a new episode. I'm Baratunde. This show is about all of us reclaiming our collective power, and that doesn't just mean in politics. It also means in the economy. It means we need to look at our work lives and ask, is our productivity valued by society? Are we powering an economy that benefits the many or the few? Are we just widgets in a machine with no rights? Or are we agents of the economy who have choices about how our contributions shape our lives, our neighborhoods, our environment? We took on many of these questions in our previous episode, Making Work Work for Everyone. That was with Michelle Miller and Saru Jayaraman, and we remain very grateful for both of their contributions. But the questions we have on this topic are too big to fit in just that one episode. So here is a bonus episode focused on one type of worker 
and a question we got from Ned in Madison, Wisconsin, who asked, A lot of the folks that I know uh, have a lot of work experience as independent contractors. And I noticed there's a significant amount of shifting of hiring practices, particularly in tech industries and other ones, and people who are self-employed. You know, a lot of them are, are in really bad positions because they're essentially on their own and they don't have a lot of the backup of being a full-time employee. And I've often wondered if there's an opportunity for independent contractors to actually leverage power away from employers through unionization of industries that aren't unionized or more collective action. And I'm wondering if that's something that also even people who are full-time employed might be able to join in on as well. I'm curious to your thoughts. Ned, we've been wondering about this as well. So we decided to go deeper on this question of how independent contractors who aren't necessarily on the low wage worker end of the spectrum feel in this uncertain time and how individuals might be starting to address this issue, but not just as individuals. Ned, we're making a whole episode because of you, buddy. Thanks. We often hear about gig workers and independent contractors being people who drive for a delivery company or a rideshare service. But there are a wide range of people who get classified as independent contractors. Some are self-employed and prosperous. Some make a decent middle-class living. And of course, others are low-wage workers who are having a hard time just making ends meet. I'm somebody who's moved between being employed and self-employed fluidly over the past 20 years. I've been fun-employed. I've been self-employed. I've been all kinds of labels. And I can relate to this feeling of going solo and feeling like there is no labor law for me, that it doesn't apply, that I don't really have protections. And if I want to raise a flag with a client, I don't have the leg to stand on or the lawyer to stand on instead of. I was in New York City for years and I'd heard about the Freelancers Union. Thank you so much, Subway ads. And its initiative to fight for state and federal rights for freelancers. The Freelancers Union estimates that nearly 56 million people and $1 trillion are added to the economy every year by freelancers. It's a part of the workforce that needs attention and more collective action. So in this bonus episode, we're going to speak with someone who basically only knows the self-employed life as a veteran creative freelance photographer in Los Angeles and someone who's created a community around creative freelancers to help them find camaraderie and support in a field that's usually pretty isolating as a self-employed worker. He's thinking about the civic power and voice this industry could have if it were more organized, especially in this age of coronavirus, when we see other independent groups starting to come together, like the Independent Restaurant Association. Matthew Young is an advertising photographer who has shot award-winning campaigns from major brands around the world. He's also the founder of Art of Freelance, an online community for creative freelancers, and Hotshot Muffler, a production studio in Highland Park, Los Angeles. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So, so Matthew, you're here with us because you're an interesting person to speak with on this topic. You have lived the self-employed life of a creative freelancer, but you've also essentially become a small business owner yourself. Uh, employing one to five employees at any given time over the past few years and hiring people as you do your own photo shoots, as you direct. So you're navigating this topic as an employer and as a contractor who works with big brands like Samsung or Amex. 
Can you tell us a little bit about your journey, starting out as a self-employed photographer some 15 years ago, and how you ended up becoming a creative small business owner? Yeah, it's a big question. Um, I mean, even before I was a, a photographer, you know, as an independent contractor, I was a photo assistant. That's how I started my career and started earning a living and getting the experience, you know, so I would go and work for other photographers and get paid 150, 200 bucks, you know, they'd write you a check. Most of the time, sometimes you get paid the day of, sometimes you get paid a month later, sometimes you'd be chasing them down for six months trying to get paid. You know, I started doing smaller photo shoots and getting paid that way. And my career's, you know, grown over the last 15 years, I'm signing with agents, hiring full-time employees, and growing at one point to a team of eight, I think it was, between sort of the, the full-time and the part-time people um, that were working in the studio with me. Um, and then on any given shoot, you know, like you said, we could have, you know, 20 to 100 people that were employing just for that shoot, whether it's a day or, or a week or, or 10 days or something like that. To the point of, I think, this conversation, it's been a really interesting journey. I've gone from you know, not having any business entity and just taking personal checks to my name to becoming, you know, doing a DBA, to becoming an LLC, to becoming an S-Corp, um, and gone through lots of different sort of structures, business formations to find where I am. And, and to your point, yeah, I'm both an independent contractor. I get paid on a 1099, but then I'm also an employer. I pay myself on a W-2. I pay my full-time employees on W-2s, and I also pay, you know, lots of what really are independent contractors, people that I hire for one day, but I have to classify them as employees because of California's labor laws, this AB5 law that happened last year. We're going to come back to AB5. You rattled off a series of three to five letter words, DBA, <laughs> LLC, S Corp. Did you go to school for that? Did you just Google it? Like, How did you know to go from taking personal checks in your name to creating business entities so that you could navigate more smoothly the business that you're in now? And it's such a good question because I know zero photographers or, or creative freelancers in general that got into the field that they're in because they wanted to figure out how to incorporate or they wanted to figure out you know, their tax liabilities. Or they want, you know, it's, it's not the reason why I became a photographer. I loved holding a camera and making pictures and the immediacy of that kind of creativity. Um, but, you know, as you keep going and you, you start to realize that you need to also balance that creativity with the business thinking, you know, the left brain and the right brain, the thing that, you know, got me to make the transition was every time I screwed it up, you know, every time that I had a tax bill that I was, how am I going to pay that? Or every time that I got some letter from the state because I wasn't doing something right, um, you know, it forced me to make that next step and research the next thing. And, you know, honestly, a CPA, a good CPA was a Superman savior for me as a creative. It took so much burden off of me as a creative and pushed it onto someone else. I think that's something that we get wrong as creatives a lot is we think because we are solopreneurs or we're, you know, we're alone, we're independent contractors, we can't have support from other people. But, you know, I didn't want to learn every in and out of the tax code. One 
day rate paid for a year of my CPA? And aren't I better off doing the thing that I'm good at, taking photos and, and doing my job versus spending all this time trying to learn TurboTax and what qualifies as an exemption this year versus last year? So I think that we as creatives also, we get scared to take that next step because it is scary and there's stuff that we don't know. Um, and so we get scared to hire a, a part-time uh, assistant or studio manager. We get scared to work with a CPA instead of doing the taxes ourselves. But I do think that if we want to grow our creative careers into successful and sustainable businesses, we have to take that leap and we have to make some of those investments. And unfortunately or fortunately, that's part of being a successful creative. It's allowed to do what they love to do day in and day out and make a living of it. But those were not my favorite times of being a creative was the deep dives into, you know, employment law by any means. And they felt like this necessary evil, something you had to do to get to go do the creative part. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. 
it's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. This doing of the creative part is something you've invested a lot into with the Art of Freelance program. It's kind of the other side, as my understanding of your professional life. What need were you trying to meet in creating this course and community called Art of Freelance? Yeah, you know, being a creative freelancer, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been the most amazing career path I could have imagined. It's given me just immense amounts of freedom, experience, venture, Uh, meeting interesting people, but it's also hard. You know, you are ostensibly alone in your creative pursuit. There's very little accountability or feedback or community that you would get if you were an employee. You know, we don't have a water cooler. And sometimes even the, the sort of digital water cooler, the social media sphere feels pretty isolating just because it's very competitive and people do such a great job of projecting their perfect finished lives, not the work in progress, messy business that we all really are. So Art of Freelance started as, you know, trying to sort of fill the need that I had felt for a long time as a creative freelancer. The workshop is set up to give you some goal setting, some accountability, some community, some feedback and some deadlines for the kinds of personal projects, the important projects, the the ones that you aren't being hired to do, but the ones that you know you want to do because they're your creativity, your soul work, the kind of work you want to get hired to do in the future. So we created the program to kind of fill those needs. I want to kind of bring these topics together a bit. 
because you've described through the art of freelance work a bunch of creative freelancers who can be pretty alone in terms of a lack of a water cooler, a lack of accountability, a lack of feedback. You described in your own business structure, that's not the fun part. And you had to figure out a lot of this on your own. So, and it's it's a big tangle web when you think about freelance and the gig economy and you know, all the different words we use to describe it. And, it, you know, it's it's interesting that we sort of have the same job classification for somebody who is driving for Uber or delivering for DoorDash as a musician that does gigs in a, in a stadium that is also a designer that works from home. And they have very different lives and very different ways of making their livelihoods, but we sort of all get mushed into a job classification. But you know, for a lot of freelancers that even, you know, very successful ones to ones that are, you know, just starting out or, or struggling or wherever they are in the, the career trajectory, the work can be inconsistent. They have multiple clients, you know, one job leads to the next job, but you don't always know where your work is going to come from six months, three months, one month down the road. And for a lot of us, our job is done out in the world. You know, we were not we're not considered essential workers because making music or photographs or advertisements or whatever it is we do obviously is not putting the food on people's tables the same way farming and grocery store workers and the first line responders in the hospitals like it's not the essential work, but it is done in person with other people. Yeah. So um, yeah, the, the work went away. Um, it became an entirely new world instantly. And so um, quickly we started trying to spend our time and, you know, we consider ourselves creative problem solvers when I'm doing that for a client for a photo shoot. So just sort of applied those skills to what is going to be available to creative freelancers. Are we being included in the CARES Act? Do we need to advocate for that to happen? Um, what kind of petitions do we need to sign? Once it was clear that there was going to be some unemployment insurance available for 1099 employees. Um, how do you access that? It got really complicated with what they called mixed income, which was people that were paid on W-2s and 1099s. When the PPP program came out, it was, you know, is that available to independent contractors, people that are paid on 1099s? So we started setting up webinars, these Zoom calls, and just asking smart people the questions and then making the information public that they gave us and writing blog posts and sort of how-to guides and just sort of sharing the information that we could find as best we could. When you layer a, a pandemic on top of that, mm. it feels like it adds even more stress to a pursuit, to a, a living, to an occupation that's already difficult and isolating and improvised and DIY. How have you seen this creative freelance community be affected by? Um, and then how have you responded to this new, more tense, more isolating circumstance? When we were allowed to do our work again, it was going to be with other people and, and put us in that sort of health risk and have that conundrum of, do I go back to work and risk my health or do I stay at home and, and face the economic consequences? But then also there was this big lack of a safety net. And all this confusion, you know, it's it's fine when everything's kind of humming along and you don't really ask the questions. But this pandemic really did reveal the cavities 
that existed in, in those safety nets. And creative freelancers, I think, really were affected by it. So what did you all do about that? <laughs> what did you do with that state of confusion, with that isolation, with that frustration? Did you figure it out? Did you come together? Did you rally? <laughs> um, I have seen more camaraderie in the creative freelance community during this pandemic in the past six months than I've seen in my whole career, I, I will say. Um, it does seem like people have come together. But no, sir, I don't think it's been figured out. I mean, I'm sure you could talk to people that still never got the unemployment money that they were due, you know, now that the unemployment extra assistance has run out, they might be living on 150 bucks a week from the unemployment office, still not allowed to go back to work and do what they did beforehand. So there's still a lot of issues that exist. But, you know, it's a really competitive industry. You know, we're all sort of competing against each other. And I guess that's part of the problem, right? When you don't have any kind of collective organization. It's really easy for companies to pit us against each other. Information is, is held really tight to the chest. People don't share things like rates and contract and negotiations. And so we started from a real disadvantage, it feels like. So even though, yes, there has been more camaraderie in the past six months, it, it still doesn't feel like a problem that's been solved. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and sociopolitical factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, 
further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like a recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. I'm ready to come back to AB5 now. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle in. <laughs> in the in the state of California, Assembly Bill 5, we've got a new set of classifications uh, about what type of worker is full-time versus independent contractor. And it's more stringent now, and the fines are higher for misclassification. And so there seems to be this trade-off of sort of freedom for the worker and the independent status, but protection for the full-timer who gets reclassified. What has been your experience of this rule, this law, on you and on creative freelancers that you're in touch with? Yeah. Um, You know, I understand, I think, where they were coming from in trying to do this, provide a little bit more of the employer protections to creative freelancers, to gig workers, to all freelancers. Um, You know, it's tricky because we get jumbled. You know, Spielberg and DoorDash are like sort of jumbled into the same world. And, And so I think that it was trying to be uh, one big solution for a, a complicated problem. I think there was good intentions with it, but it made things only more expensive and confusing for, you know, a graphic designer trying to make a living. You know, for me, when I if I hire a photo assistant to come and help me with lighting for one day, I now have to classify them as an employee, even though 
Obviously, they're an independent contractor. They're showing up for one day doing one job. They work for 100 photographers in a year. But the way this new law is set up, they need to be classified as employee. That's easy for me. I pay people through a payroll company. We try to write off the costs of hiring people as employees to the clients when we're doing jobs. You know, we factor that into our estimates. But it's not as easy for everybody. You know, I hear from musicians that are just trying to play a gig at the local venue. And in order to pay their drummer $100 for the night, they got to go get set up with a payroll company and pay them through a payroll company and have taxes withheld. And you can't just give your drummer 100 bucks anymore. But on the flip side, you know, when you were just getting paid on 1099s and before we were classifying people as employees, you know, it left people really exposed. No one was forcing you to be smart about withholding your taxes throughout the year so you didn't have some big tax bill due at the end of the year that you couldn't afford. Nobody was encouraging you to pay into the unemployment system so that if something like a global pandemic happened, there actually was a safety net. So there needs to be a third way, a, a middle ground, some sort of different classification that's neither an independent contractor with all of the insecurities that come with that, but not an employee status because that makes it so difficult for somebody to build their business. And having to classify people as employees also makes it harder to naturally grow your business. You know, I feel like my business has really naturally grown on a nice steady curve over the past 15 years. And it's not like you turn on a switch and you know, one day you're a creative freelancer getting paid checks under the table and the next day you're a S-corp with a payroll company able to pay people that way. It's, it's a more gradual process and there's not really a good, you know, middle ground. And, and we're seeing this with the gig workers, too. And, you know, AB 22, a bill that's going to be on the ballot in November in California, where, you know, a lot of Uber drivers don't want to work nine to five for Uber and drive 40 hours a week. They want the freedom and flexibility to be able to make up their own hours. But right now we're in this binary position where either they're an independent contractor when all the insecurities that come with that and they can make up their own hours or they're a full time employee and they have to work 40 hours a week, nine to five and Uber makes their schedule like, you know, it just doesn't seem like those are the only two options we should have. I wanted you to explore some of what those other options might look like. You've done such a good job of painting this binary. And if we're learning anything in this world, it's that most things are on a spectrum. So find a different position on that spectrum that you think makes sense to get the combination, to get the flexibility and the relative independence of this contractor status, but not lose the safety net that so many people didn't have access to, not because they didn't want a safety net, but they were forced into a binary. What would it look like to do it differently? You know, creative freelancers, sometimes it, gets, it feels like you get thrown in the deep end and you just kind of sink or swim. And I don't think that that's a great way either. I do think that some more structure to how you build and grow a business would be helpful for creatives. You know, sometimes when speaking to young photographers or young creatives, I even though what I want to say is find your voice and have your vision and know your goals and make art and, you know, get unique and make it weird and make it good. I also have to say, but don't forget to get insurance and pay people appropriately and get a bookkeeper and start doing spreadsheets. And, you know, again, it is that balance of organization and creativity that I think makes for the most uh, successful creative freelancers. And I think that 
withholding your taxes as you go is a good thing. You know, when I was younger, I used to brag like, oh, I don't have to really pay any taxes because I get paid on 1099 and I write everything off. And at the end of the year, I only owe, you know, five grand. But then that number turned into 20 grand and then it turned into 50 grand. And then all of a sudden I was like, I don't have 50 grand to pay the taxes right now. So like estimating your taxes is important. Paying into a safety net is important for when situations like this happen or God forbid you break your leg or fall off a ladder or something else. Workers comp is important. You know, a lot of the stuff that we do, the number of times I found myself standing on top of a 12 foot ladder, hanging out of a moving vehicle with a camera, you know, jumping off a boat into the Mediterranean to like get the shot. You put yourself into some risky positions sometimes. And like all of that is to say that somewhere between full-time employment and fully independent there does seem to be like there could be a happy medium that we could investigate and sort of start creating as a as a community um, what that would look like and it's very tense time for a group of workers who are pretty isolated through the art of freelance through your webinars through information sharing which wasn't common and still the unresolved tension of this forced binary of freedom versus security, of independent contractor versus full-time employee. Do you see any path forward, any leverage points that can be exploited when independent creative freelancers come together to shift this system more in favor of finding that healthier balance without so much pain? I really hope so. (laughs) I mean, what's the alternative? The alternative is the race to the bottom where we just become sort of commodities. We're all Amazon basics. Everyone's just racing to the cheapest price. And you see that, you know, I don't want to rag on Upwork because, you know, I think that they have done some interesting work to try to support the creative freelance world. But just the, the basic model of what they do is sort of sort by price. And you can go find the cheapest option very easily. And it's pushed this race to the bottom mentality where you have to be $1 an hour cheaper than your competitor in order to get listed on top of the search results when people go and look. And if that's all we are and we're always going $1 underneath each other, it's it's a bleak future for these creative fields that provide so much joy and at its best, creative freelancers are the ones making all the art and music and culture and film and photos and, you know, all the fashion, the stuff that we get so inspired by. But if we just kind of push all that down and there's not that kind of community, camaraderie, unionization, I don't know what you call it. It's a bleak thing, but we are a huge block. The stats you mentioned at at the top of this, you know, 56 million people considering themselves independent, you know, not in that full-time employment and that number growing significantly, I think it's a big group of people. It's an important group of people. And there is a lot of power if people could come together, share that information, support each other, and try to create fair and equitable working conditions for everyone trying to to do that kind of work. And here you said you didn't have any answers. Did you just hear yourself? (laughs) That was a brave heart speech, sir. We have a thought in this show, the way we set it up, where we say the word citizen is a verb or a practice. If you interpret the word citizen in that way, what does it mean to citizen to you? So I I love that 
question, and I love the framing for this podcast about reimagining, you know, citizen as a verb. And, you know, I've listened to some of your episodes. And so that thought has struck me before. And I think I've had a different answer at different times. It's inspired different thoughts. Right now, what's coming front for me is it's scary to try to have a voice it feels like, like I was scared to talk to you today about these subjects because it feels um, easy to get it wrong. It feels scary to try to bring people together because it feels like you might do it wrong or someone might yell at you or something like that. But what I have seen is that the more we're able to fight that resistance and the more as individuals we're willing to stand up and speak, to try to bring people together, to join with others, to try to be those kind of magnetic forces in the world, the better things become. And so for me right now, the idea of to citizen as a verb means getting over that fear and resistance and being willing to have uncomfortable conversations, to meet new people, to hear new ideas. Like, for example, we've been phone banking recently. It's super scary. You just think you're going to get yelled at all the time. But until you start getting over that fear, when you do start getting over that fear, you discover it's not nearly as scary as you thought it was. And you can actually have an impact just no matter who you are, how small you think your voice is, where you are in your career. It just not waiting until you get there because there is no there. It's just this journey and, and be willing to share along the path. I got one more. It's my last one. 56 million people fall under this category, this, the 1099ers of America. Yeah. If they came together, based on your experience, what's on the shopping list of different ways we should be interacting with our society, with our government, and particularly with our safety net? 56 million people, what do you think they could get done? <laughs> I mean, it's a leading question because I think the answer is a lot, right? Like we could, <laughs> we could build a better world if we were to come together. And you're not just talking about 56 million people, but you're talking about some of the most creative and inspiring and, you know, the, the best artists and communicators and singers and actors. I mean, this is also a really compelling group of people. I think that on this spectrum of the rugged individualism of the U United States, you know, manifest destiny, which I think creative freelancers kind of get attracted to that rugged individualism, you know, versus the sort of more social collective kind of political systems. It seems like creative freelancers would be happiest and most successful and most fulfilled and most inspired somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. You know, we've seen the folly of the rugged individualism in our national response to COVID, in my opinion. And you see other countries that have some more collective spirits do a lot better, um, both from a health perspective and on the economic perspective. And I just think that whether you're talking about business structures, whether you're talking about the tax code, whether you're talking about healthcare, whether you're talking about worker protections, bathroom breaks, you know, whether you're talking about rates, whether you're talking about contract negotiations, whether you're talking about any of these things that are really, you know, sticky for creative freelancers, that kind of collective spirit, information sharing, camaraderie could do a lot of good for people to come together and carve that out.
Well, thank you for being willing to share with us along your path, Matthew. I think in some ways you underestimated the impact you've had. We are excited to have spoken with you to not just hear your answers, but your questions, which help us all illuminate this very frustrating and often dark time. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your openness. I appreciate your citizening. Thank you. Hey, ma'am. Thanks for uh, doing everything that you're doing. Also, a big gratitude to your team that's putting this all together. And yeah, love hearing your voice out there, man. There were a few ideas that I'm still thinking about after that conversation with Matthew Young. One is that you have an entire industry of creative freelancers that's premised on pitting one freelancer against the other freelancer. And I would know, I've been a creative freelancer myself, and you're discouraged from sharing pricing information or anything else that might lead you to not get the job. The other idea that stands out to me is this binary choice, this false binary choice we've been given, especially in the United States, that you can either have creativity and flexibility and independence in your work, or you can have rights. And that is a false dichotomy that I hope we work hard to escape. Uh, And on the matter of people being pitted against one another, I think it's really beautiful to see folks viewing themselves more as a collective, especially in such a fragmented industry. That is using power. That is understanding power. That is people power. So let us all continue to be creative in the question of what does work mean and who does work actually work for. In every episode, we've promised to give you things you can do to citizen better. In this bonus episode, we're doubling down on everything we said in episode six, making work work for everyone, because it's the same topic. If there's more you want to say to us, share with us, or exchange with Matthew, hit us up at our email, comments at howtocitizen.com. As always, if you are digging this show, let the platforms know with a positive rating and a review. And if you want to stay in touch and get updates directly from me, I've got something special for you. Text me, 202-894-8844. Put the word citizen in the text and you'll get alerted to future tapings. You'll get to chat back and forth with me and you'll have a chance to find out more about the How to Citizen universe and about my own world. How to Citizen with Baratunde is a production of iHeartRadio Podcast, executive produced by Miles Gray, Nick Stump, Elizabeth Stewart, and Baratunde Thurston. Produced by Joel Smith, edited by Justin Smith, powered by you. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. 
hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday already a know. podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.